my name is Rich. I'm the pastor here at Lionstown, and I say it's a great joy to welcome you. Uh, it's lovely to have you with us today. I say, please do keep this, um, uh, if you've got it to hand, do keep it in there, because I'd love for you to see that what I'm saying isn't just my own ideas, but actually comes uh, from God's Word, the Bible. So do um, keep that to hand. Well, we are at that time of year, aren't we, when people, when we start to look back at the year just gone, and we start to reflect. We think about all that has happened. You know, you, you can imagine the, the BBC journalists and the newspapers and, and everything. 2022, what's happened? And I really do think that as we enter or as we approach 2023, we need a bit of hope. This year, war in Ukraine, all the atrocities, tensions rising and rising, tensions also in other parts of the world, North Korea, and numerous conflicts that have never made it or slipped from our news screens. Recession, energy crisis, cost of living crisis, political crisis, climate crisis. Uh, as the video at the beginning said, war, hatred, debt abound. And on top of those things, of course, there are all the things that are going on in our lives. Loss, relationship breakdown, personal tragedy, health, and many other things as well. Am I getting you into the Christmas spirit? <laughs> I hope you'll bear with me. I really do hope you'll bear with me because Christmas is more than, well, it's, it's not just having that kind of warm, happy glow inside of our hearts for a couple of weeks. It's not kind of just a time for happy nostalgia. Again, as the video at the beginning said, Christmas holds out hope for hopeless hearts. Real hope. Life-changing hope. The Christmas story brings hope in the face of all of the terrible things that are going on in our world, and maybe the terrible things that are going on in your life, and says there is indeed hope. And that hope is found in, in the last six words that is there on your screen, if you see it there. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph, he called his name Jesus. And why does that bring hope? Well, that's what I, want us, what I want to show you over the next few minutes. And then we're simply going to see two things. Okay? We're going to see good news that we can trust, good news that we can trust, and then names which bring hope. Good news that we can trust, names that bring hope. So first off, good news that we can trust. Our account here in Matthew begins with Mary and Joseph, and they are betrothed. Now, in those days, it's more than just engagement. I guess that's probably the closest thing we have, but it's more than that. It's really the first stage of marriage. So that actually to break off a betrothal was kind of to talk of a divorce. And before they got married, before they came together, as Matthew respectfully puts it, she becomes pregnant. And we can see from the end of verse 18 that the little number 18, that this child was from the Holy Spirit. This child, this baby in her womb, came from the Holy Spirit, came from God. Now, if you're thinking that that is the stuff of fairy tales, right, you, you, you don't believe it, well, you're in good company. Right, Joseph didn't either. Joseph understood basic biology. For a baby, you need a woman and a man to be involved. 
and he could do the maths. Well, if there's this woman and she has a baby and I'm not the man, she, he can join up the dots with someone else. And so, the number 19, verse 19, <clears throat> and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he was a just man. He, he couldn't let this slide. But he was also a quiet man, a, a kind man, sorry. He, he was going to do it quietly so as to not bring embarrassment and shame to her. He wasn't buying this whole it's from the Holy Spirit thing. He needed some persuading. And so, verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're doubting the supernatural, well, the appearance of this angel confirming all these things should convince him. And sure enough, it does. We see right at the end, indeed, he does take Mary to be his wife, and he names Jesus, names the baby Jesus. And in those days, again, naming a child, that would have been taking the legal responsibility for him. You see, this is not myth or fairy tale. The Christmas story isn't simply something that eight-year-olds act out quite badly in school plays across the country. These are real events resulting in a real baby. Joseph, Joseph, he took some convincing, but he was convinced. Now, look, if, if you don't believe in God, well, then you probably won't believe in miracles because there's, there's no higher power there to do the miracles. But if there is a God, and if this God was coming into this world, wouldn't we expect him to do it in a way that wasn't quite normal? And can I encourage you, if you're, again, you're not sure about this, please take one of these away. There's a whole stack of them on the table just as you walk out. This is Matthew's Gospel. This is where um, the reading that you've got today comes from. And see all that Jesus said and did as he grew up. Read it over this Christmas. It won't take you long, half an hour, 45 minutes. To see, indeed, that Jesus is who he claims to be. But Christmas brings hope because it is a story that we can trust. It is good news that we can trust. Secondly, we're going to spend a bit more time here. It is names that bring hope. Names that bring hope. Having done it twice, and many of you will have done it, picking babies' names is stressful. Right? There are all kinds of things to consider. Some people, you've got family names that maybe you're getting pressure to include and maybe you're desperate to avoid. You've got to think through all the, all the kind of permutations, right? What can this name be shortened to? What do the initials add up? Is it too common? Is it too far out there? Are there old classmates that had that same name that have kind of tainted it for you? And the one that I've never got, but everyone convinces me that it's true, is does this baby look like a Jimmy or whatever? I think it'll look whatever you call it, but there. Well, Joseph and Mary, they named their baby Jesus, but they didn't have that pressure. They were told what to name this child. The angel who's just told Joseph and said to him, look, this child is from the Holy Spirit, goes on to say in verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. There it is. The angel says he makes a decision for them. That's nice and easy, isn't it? Call his name Jesus. Why? 
for he will save his people from their sins. Even that name Jesus reinforces the fact that Jesus is going to be a saviour. If you're here at the, the family carols that we did this morning, we had a quiz about what different names mean today. You'll have learned that my name means ruler. But again, nowadays, names don't really mean anything. Okay? They're, they're labels. Whereas in Bible times, names often told you about that person. And the name Jesus means the Lord saves. So even in his name, we're given a clue as to what this baby is going to do. You see, this baby, this Jesus, was going to save his people. You know, a lifeguard saves people from drowning. A firefighter saves people from fire. Jesus was going to save people from sins. Now, if you were to decide, if you were to think, okay, what kind of saviour does this world need most? Does it need a brilliant economist? or a, a truly upright, selfless politician, or a military general, or a footballer who never missed a penalty. Too early, too early, too early for those jokes. <laughs> but all seriousness, all seriousness, if you'd say, what, does, what kind of saviour does this world need most? What, what would you say? Well, God looks at this world and says, what this world needs is a saviour from sin. From sin. Now, that probably strikes you as odd, because the way we tend to use the word sin these days is this kind of something that's like naughty but nice, right? It's that third helping of Christmas pudding. There's a bit of mischief under the mistletoe at a Christmas party. But that's not how the Bible understands sin. The Bible defines sin as, as a turning away from God, turning our backs upon God, and a turning in on ourselves, it's saying, God, look, I want nothing to do with you. I'm going to do things my way. So sin, first and foremost, is about our relationship between us and God. But that attitude and that relationship between us and God is then worked out amongst each other and how we treat others. I was speaking to a friend this week who's a doctor. I was going to put a picture up, and I thought, actually, no one needs to see this. But he, he mentioned an, Ill, an illness called, I think it's right, dermatitis. Oh, her, I'm going to I'll turn to a doctor. I even wrote it out phonetically, and I can't do it. Herpetiformis, something like that. Anyway, there's this skin disease, okay, this skin disease. Uh, and it's a skin condition, and it, uh, it, it results in this nasty rash. And because it's this nasty rash, the temptation is to well, treat it with creams. So you put cream on it, maybe treat it with antibiotics. But those things actually don't get to the, the root cause of the problem. They're just dealing with the symptoms, not the root cause. And actually, this illness that I can't pronounce, it is caused by a gluten allergy. Uh, an allergy? A gluten allergy. And so the solution is simply to stop eating bread and other things. You see, there are all kinds of illnesses, actually, where you need to treat the root cause rather than simply the symptoms. And when the Bible speaks of sin, it is talking about the root cause behind all the selfishness, the greed, the prejudice, the lack of care, and all those other things. So as we look at our world, and it's what under, ultimately underlies a nation unjustly invading another. 
It's what lies behind energy company profits skyrocketing while people are choosing between heating and eating. It's what lies behind all the harm that we do to one another. And so when God looked at the world, he sent a saviour, a saviour from sin. Not to deal with the symptoms, but to deal with the disease. That's why Jesus was born. That's why he was called Jesus. Because 30 odd years later, he was going to die, die on a cross. And as he did that, he was taking those sins that his people had committed and he was taking them upon himself and he was paying the full price for those sins, taking the Father's right anger upon those sins, taking it himself so that if we would turn back to him, we would have complete forgiveness of those sins. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the hope of Christmas. But this, these verses give, uh, also give us another name for Jesus. Have a look down at the next verse, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is a, an, another um, quote from Isaiah, where our first reading is from, about 700 years before these events. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. See, the baby's name was Jesus, because he was going to save his people from their sins. They shall call his name Emmanuel, for he is God with us. Now, we, we, we never hear of Jesus being called Emmanuel, but it sums up who he is perfectly. To quote my favourite um, and the best carol, um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we'll sing at the end. He is God with us, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. At the moment around our world, there are millions and millions of children whose excitement levels are ramping right up for Christmas. And one of the chief reasons why excitement levels are ramping up is because of the visit of Santa, right? But why are they excited about Santa's visit? It is not because of him. It is not the prospect of meeting him. It is the, it's not his presence. It is the presence that he brings. That's what they're excited about. That's what the excitement is on Christmas morning to go down. What's he brought? It's not as he there. But the good news and the hope of Christmas isn't that somebody, God, even has come down and give us presents. No, it is that God has come to be present with us. Jesus, a baby, a real human baby that did all the things that human babies do, and yet at the same time, God, fully God. God come to be with his people, not against us, even despite the rebellions, our rebellions against him, but God come to save his people and to be with his people, his presence with them. Jesus came that first Christmas to be with people in the world. Of course, he's not here physically today, but the promise for every single one of his followers, for every single Christian, is his presence with, her, with him, with us, by his Spirit. And indeed, we look forward to his return when we will indeed be present with him for all eternity. This is the hope of Christmas. 
The Christmas story brings hope because we can trust it. And because it tells us that God came to earth in order to save his people from their sins. And this is a far better hope. In fact, I'd say it's the only hope as we look out at the world and all that is going on. You know, how do people try and cope with, you read the news and see everything that's going on? Well, one way is to simply not cope and to end up despairing about the situation. I think probably the two most common ways that people try and deal with it, number one is, is escapism. Pretend it's not happening. You get a little quiz for you. There's a survey done back in 2018, and uh, between Christmas Day and New Year's Day, how many, al- how many units of alcohol do you think the UK consumed, was going to consume? Like the whole of the UK, Christmas Day to, to, to Easter. Million. Million. Yeah, we had an answer. Yeah, I think go up. Bearing in right, they said, all right, it's guesstimation, right? Six billion units of alcohol. That was the estimated it's going to be, be drunk. Now, that was just that week in Christmas. But that happens day in, day out. It's a form of escapism. Okay, it's slightly longer. This is 2021, so it's slightly newer. Uh, between 20th of December and 2nd of January, average family going to watch 62 hours of television. Again, often, gentle escapism. You, you want to throw yourself into a world that's not this one. So I think escapism is one. Uh, another massive one is you need determined action. I'm going to sort this out. We can sort this out. Come on, everybody. Now, that's, why, that's what lies behind New Year's resolutions. How many of those New Year's resolutions make it to February? So, so few. You see, the Christmas, good news of Christmas, the Christmas story brings hope, real transforming hope for a broken world and for broken lives. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the big question left hanging from that verse is, are you one of his people? Are you one of his people? We become one of his people as we do, as it were, the opposite of sin. I said sin is turning our backs on God and turning in on ourselves. Well, to become one of his people, it's the opposite of that. It's turning back on ourselves and turning to God, trusting in Jesus and his death alone for the forgiveness of our sins.